Hello and welcome to the Disabled But Enabled podcast. This podcast seeks to celebrate and encourage sickle cell warriors and also their loved ones who fight alongside them. Each week, we talk about the realities of living with sickle cell disease. We aim to bring hope and leave you with at least one reason to carry on on this journey called life. I am your host, Tutu Emmanuel. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the podcast. In this episode, I've got a very special guest. Yes, all my guests are special. So you will hear me say that every single week that I've got a special guest because all my guests are extra special um, because they've come to share the story and it takes a special kind of person to be able to do that. So today I've got with me a lady called Lota Aze. I've known Lota now for about a few years now. Lota, how long have we known each other now? I would say maybe eight years. About eight years, yes. I've known Lota for the last eight years. And she is someone that, you know, I met and we just kind of clicked. And she just amazes me because with sickle cell, she is doing so much. You know, if she doesn't tell you that she's got sickle cell, you probably wouldn't know because she's doing so well for herself. I will just let her introduce herself as we get started. Lota, can you please introduce yourself to our listeners? So, So my name is Lota, as Tutu has said. I am Nigerian and British. I have sickle cell anemia and um, I've got three siblings. So I've got two brothers and one sister. My brothers and my parents are all carriers of the sickle cell mutation, but my sister is fine. So she doesn't have the sickle cell mutation. I was born in London, but um, I have lived in Nigeria. So before, just before I turned nine years old, my mom took my siblings and I to Nigeria so that we could live with our dad and just get to know the country, get to know the culture, get to know our family, our extended family. And so, I have experience of living with sickle cell in the United Kingdom and living with it in Nigeria. And so after a period of six years, just before I turned 15, my mum brought us back to London and we continued our, our education. So in terms of my education and my career, I graduated with a bachelor's degree in biomedical science, um, attained at King's College London. And I am currently studying uh, my master's in genomic medicine, and I'm hoping to complete this by God's grace sometime next year. Career-wise, I am state registered as a biomedical scientist, and I am currently working as a genetic technologist in a diagnostic and screening laboratory. So what that means is that we get sent patient samples and we, extract the DNA from the samples. We analyze, we test the DNA uh, and look for various mutations that cause a wide variety of diseases. And then we analyze the results of the tests that we do on the DNA. And this gets reported back to the patient's clinical team. So yeah, those are the, those are the main points about me. So some fun facts about me. I am an avid football fan. I love Manchester United, which, you know, is not a popular thing to say these days. I also support the England rugby team, although I've never seen them them play. So I hope I hope to do that one day. So all in all, I love watching sports. I'm not much of a sports player myself, but I do love watching. 
I absolutely love singing. Um, it just lifts my spirit. I love reading novels and I love cross-stitching. Oh, wow. You are a woman of many talents and you have time to do a whole lot of things. Well done. <laughs> so I'm want, I just want to take you back a bit before we talk about your career and what you do and how that relates to sickle cell. I just want to talk about the fact that you've experienced sickle cell both here and in Nigeria, and you, experience, you had both experience as a child because you yeah. were still a child when you left the UK to go to Nigeria, and you came back at 15, so I'll still consider you a child when you came yes. back as well. So because for someone like me, for instance, I lived my younger years of sickle cell in Nigeria, I had formed who I am and the way I handle sickle cell before I even came to the UK because I didn't come to the UK until I was 18. So in terms of when you were in school, both here and in Nigeria, how did you find having to deal with sickle cell in terms of, so I'm talking about how did you find the children, the teachers, the people around you? Was there a difference between the way it was dealt with in the UK and the way it was dealt with in Nigeria? Or did you find that it was possibly this was probably the same? So, yes, as a, a child with sickle cell in this country, I, I, I didn't really feel that different to any other child. It was never really a big deal. Yes, I got ill and I got better, but then that was almost um, the end of it, really. The, the teachers, of course, knew um, about my health in this country but I never really felt different to any other child I did miss um, a fair bit of school uh, due to hospital admissions um, but then it was always a case of I always kind of slotted back in to the school's education system here really easily so I never really felt that although I did actually miss school I never really felt that I was lagging behind the other children um, in Nigeria, it was, I, I think I, I did feel that I stood out more. And I guess maybe that's a bit understandable because sickle cell, in a way, it's more of a big deal in Nigeria because there's so, there are so many people with sickle cell in Nigeria. Um, whereas over here, we are, you know, th- there aren't that many of us. For example, I could, in, in school in Nigeria, I wasn't, there was another child in my class that had sickle cell. Um, whereas in this country, I mean, that would be unlikely um, for one of my classmates to have sickle cell as well. So because sickle cell is as prevalent in Nigeria as it is, um, there's, I, I definitely, it, it, it was more of an issue. So I definitely felt that I stood out more. I was always on the skinny side as well, maybe because of my health, um, probably because of my health. Um, And I think that was another thing that made me stand out. And when I say I I stood out in school, it wasn't that I was treated negatively, but it was just more before me or before everyone that, oh, she's got sickle cell. Um, Not just the teachers, but the, you know, the, the fellow, my fellow students. So it was something that I never... I was never able to just completely forget whilst I was in school. I definitely felt different to the other kids. They were aware of my health. They were aware that I was 
oh, I guess in their eyes, not so much in my eyes, but I was fragile. But yeah, I guess that would be the difference for me. It wasn't so much of an issue in, in, in the United Kingdom. I didn't feel different to anyone else. But in Nigeria, because, you know, sickle cell is so prevalent in that country, I, I definitely was more aware of the fact that, you know, that I've got sickle cell. Um, yeah. That's quite interesting though, because I would have thought it would have been the other way around because I would have thought that bearing in mind that it's more prevalent in Nigeria, then it should just be a case of no big deal. We know what that is and we shouldn't be any different as opposed to here where, oh my God, what is this? It's a new thing. We don't know what it is. So I would have thought it was, mm. you know, I was expecting your answer to say it was the other way around, but it's quite <laughs> interesting to I, know. I think... One thing is that in this country, people are very reserved. So they don't necessarily say everything that they're thinking. Whereas in Nigeria, people are more outspoken. So for example, um, maybe the, my, the children in, 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 that were in my class, they may have known, but they never said anything to me about you know, the fact that I was off school so much or that I was ill. Because I guess in this country, it's not polite to say things like that. Okay. Um, that's how people are brought up. It's just not polite to mm. delve into someone else's business. Whereas in Nigeria, people are definitely more outspoken. So, you know, they, would, they wouldn't shy away from saying what was on their mind. And, and maybe, maybe that's why it was, it, was, it was that way. So fast forward, primary school done, secondary school done. Um, uni did you go to uni from home I uh, I actually uh, commuted from home so I went to university in London and you know the transport system is so good in London that um, you know it, it was easy for me to just go there um, commute on the train on, on a daily basis and I was never I never felt that I was desperate for that university life living in halls or anything I felt that if there was any party going on or any events that I I was keen to go to I could always just go from home and then head back home afterwards or even stay over at a, at a, at a friend's house so I never had that desperate desire to live in halls to get that university experience um yeah was that just a part of you who is an introvert or is that a case of well at least it's a good thing that nobody needs to know about sickle cell or I was just say was it was it just the introvert part of you that just didn't bring that up I think it was definitely the introvert in me. I think I, I'm just, yeah, I am quite a reserved person. So I like my comforts. So I, at that stage, I wasn't ready to um, cut the ties uh, to home. Um, I was just quite happy that I, my university was in, in London and it was close enough that I could still do everything that I wanted to do whilst living from home. So I, I would definitely say it was the, it was the introvert in me. Um, and, and nothing else. Did you feel that sickle cell really affected your academics? So in terms of everybody has different triggers for sickle cell and you find out that you can line up 10 sickle cell warriors and you find out that you have 10 different tr triggers mm. as to what triggers the crisis. Did you find that mm. sickle cell kind of affected your, your mm. studies or your choice of career or your choice of subjects, which you did okay. in university, which then in turn affected your career okay so so as a child I was in and out of hospital um I would literally be in hospital one week and then discharged 
and then back in hospital the following week. So I did miss a fair bit um, of school, certainly more school than I missed more school than than my siblings did, for example. But sickle cell was never a reason why I couldn't do as well as others. Um, My parents always had that expectation of me that I was meant to get good grades. So even if I had um, a few days in hospital and then I went back to school and there was a test, for example, and I didn't do as well. I I mean, okay, so I'll give you an example that I remember one time when I had a maths test at school and for whatever reason, I didn't do as well. Um, I didn't do that well in the test. And I was in, I think, primary three in this country at the time. And I remember my mum picked um, us up from school, my siblings and I. And, you know, I told her that, oh, I had a maths test and I didn't do um, very well in it. And she was like, oh, okay, well, that's fine um, because you're going to do better in the next test. So that's just how it was. Um, Having sickle cell was never a reason for me not to do well in my studies. And so my parents had that expectation of me. But it wasn't just their expectations that I was dealing with. It was my it was my own expectation for myself. I expected to do well. So I wasn't doing well because it was what my parents wanted. I actually wanted to do well, regardless of the fact that I had sickle cell. So in a way, sickle cell didn't really factor into it as when as a kid. It didn't really factor into it. I saw myself in this country as the same as other kids if they were doing well I was going to do well as well so that kind of followed me all the way through um, even into adulthood I do remember taking one of my um, GCSEs in hospital I was ill at the time and I just had to go into hospital and that was an awful feeling for me because GCSEs are you know that they're um it's a big time in, in in a child's life and, you know, we we work so hard to get to that point. So for me to be ill and um, in hospital at the time of my exams was a massive worry for me. And I remember I, I had to take my GCSE geography exam in hospital. But once again, it was never a case of, OK, I'm because if I remember correctly, I think, you know, they they came to me and said, you know, if you're too ill to take it, that's that's that, you know, just forget about it. But although I was in hospital, I I wasn't going to let that stop me from taking my exam that I'd worked hard for. And I remember I was so ill that I could barely study for it. I remember the night before the exam, lying in my hospital bed um, with my books by my side, thinking, okay, I, need, I do need to look at, look at my books, um, study a bit before morning. And, um, you know, at that point, I wasn't even thinking about how well I was going to do in the geography exam. But at the same time, I was not thinking about not taking the exam. I was going to take it and I was going to do my best. And God was going to see me through. Um, So um, sickle cell did have an impact um, on my education, but it didn't, I guess it didn't have as big an impact as it could have had if God didn't give me the character he's given me. So I believe that God has made me a very determined person. Um, if I set my mind on something, I work and work until I achieve it. Um, I may not, I may not achieve it according to the timeline of my peers. They may achieve it faster than me, but I will not stop till till I do achieve it. Um, and he's made me very determined as well. So 
even you know when I've faced setbacks like being in hospital um, that is a setback um, no, I didn't think that I would be in hospital around my GCSE exams during my GCSE exams but I, I, I happened to fall ill at that time and I went into hospital um, but I didn't let that stop me I still asked my family to get my te textbooks and I still studied in hospital there was another situation this time when I was living in Nigeria I was probably um, about 13 years old, maybe 13 or 14. And once again, it was exam season. Um, I was in secondary school and I was ill. And I remember um, I um, got up that morning and my, my family, they're very good. They can tell when things are not right with me, I guess, because they've been there all the way through. So they can tell when I'm a bit under the weather, not feeling great, not myself, however you want to put it. So um, my dad um, came into the living room and I was sitting down, which is not something that I do before school. I'm usually up and about getting this, you know, just active, getting ready to go. And I was sitting down on the chair and he could, you know, see that I was not myself I was not feeling very well and he said to me why don't you just stay home and I was like no I've got an exam so I went into school and I remember I was so weak because that's the one of the um, effects of sickle cell we have the pain we have the infections but we also have the severe anemia that comes with it um, and so I remember I was just so weak and um, that day I was meant to be having um, a catch-up um, tutorial with my French teacher and I remember looking at the time thinking, oh, it's, 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 it's time for me to go and see her. But I just had no energy in me just to go up the stairs to see her. So eventually I managed to sum up whatever energy I had. And I went up to her office. And she, at this point she was coming out and she, was, she wasn't very happy. She didn't know I was ill. So she was like, well, you know, where have you been? And then she immediately saw that I wasn't feeling well. And then she took me into her office and sat me down. And then even she, she encouraged me to go to go home and I was saying no 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 I've got my exams I need to study I need to revise I need to revise and then she called my sister to try to convince me to go home but of course I was like no I'm taking my exam I need to revise so um, eventually I went back down to my class and um, I couldn't revise I was just so ill I remember resting my head on my desk and then some time had passed and then my te this French teacher this lovely lady she came walked into my class and she said to me I'll never forget it she said is this what you call revising because my head was just on my desk I was just I couldn't keep my eyes open to study I was that ill that week and then you know I was there she, she called my sister again and another teacher and they were all trying to convince me to go home and I think at this point common sense did prevail I thought to myself I cannot even lift my head up um, how am I going to write my exam so at this point, I did have to just agree. And they called my dad and he took me into hospital. Then even in hospital, I hadn't quite given up because, you know, I was lying in the hospital bed, just very ill. And then I remember saying to my dad, dad, I've got I mean, that, so I'd missed the exam for that day. But then but then I had my French exam coming up, I think probably the next day or something. And then I remember saying to my dad, dad, I need you to go home and I need you to get my French textbook. And, and, and he was like, but you're not going to study, you're too ill to study. And I was like, no, 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 you know, you've got to get it for me. It's in the living room, it's in the corner. I told him exactly where it was. I said, you've got to get it and you, you have to bring it to me. I will study, I will study. 
and um and then he went home and he brought it to me and of course I was just too ill to study I was that was actually one of the I was very ill um, over that period so although I did miss my exams um, um, over that period I hope I'm just conveying how determined I was not to let sickle cell hold me back yeah um so I'm sorry yeah the question I was going to ask is you sound like a very very determined person and that is that is great because sometimes you know that determination doesn't just get through things you through things like your exams like you're saying now I'm sure that determination for you because as I'm listening to you I'm just I could just see, you know how you're saying you're so stubborn. You know, I could see myself <laughs> in that stubbornness as well, where you can tell you're in pain, but you want to get something done. And everyone is saying, you can't physically do this right now. You're saying, no, 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 I'm going to go ahead and do it. I guess that determination is part of what keeps you going. Yes. Because it's not just in your, it's not just in your um, academics. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. It's not just in your academics. It's almost like even when you are ill, it's that determination that, I have this thing I need to do. So I need to get well so that I can do this thing. You know, I've got this, yes. I'm looking forward to doing, uh, you know, I've got this exam coming up. I've got this event coming up. I've got to see this happen. I've got to see that yes. happen. So is that determination that you also see to that sickness? No, 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 I, I can do this. And that's what yes. pushes you through. Yes. So, I mean, that's for me personally. And, and that's what I'm hearing in what you're saying as well. Yes, yes, definitely. So it's not, it's not, it's not something that has just seen me through my education or my career. It's even in um, other personal aspects of my life. Um, you know, I remember when my sister got married. Um, at the time, I happened to um, get ill, uh, so I was ill at the time. But then, you know, once again, that wasn't going to hold me back from being the best bridesmaid or the best maid of honor to my sister that I could be. I remember just when you know just being trying my hardest to be on the ball throughout the day despite how ill I was feeling I was making sure that her her veil was in the right position making sure that um, her dress was right as they were taking pictures in between shoots I would run and fix her dress you know and this is someone that was actually really ill at the time but it's my sister's wedding I'm not going to let sickle cell get in the way of that um, so that's just another, another example of, I guess, my determination just not to let my health hold me back um, in any way. As much as I can, I try not to let it hold me back. Thank you for that. Thank you for sharing your level of determination there. And it is so encouraging to see. Work right now, you say you work in a genetic technologies lab. Yes. Yeah. Would you say sickle cell was part of what foiled your interest into studying genetics or is it mm -hmm. something that you would have done regardless of sickle cell? So I think I've always been science inclined. I've always had a fashion fascination um, in science. I enjoyed um, biology and chemistry whilst I was at, at school. Um, and even when I was doing um, my A-levels, when I started my A-levels, I didn't necessarily know exactly what career I would choose but I knew it was definitely going to be science-based. So um, I didn't think I wanted to become a doctor. I've, I always felt that I, I wanted to wanted to be to be behind the scenes. Um, so I knew I wanted to after my A levels. I, I or during 
the latter part of my A-levels, I knew that I wanted to, I wanted a job in healthcare, but I didn't want to study medicine. Medicine was never a passion of mine. I, I just didn't, I didn't see myself as, as, a, as a doctor, but I always saw myself working behind the scenes. So working in, 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 in labs, in a lab, testing the samples that we would get sent. And so that's why I chose biomedical science as, as a, um, a career path. I started off in biomedical science. Um, I, started, I started off working in a histology laboratory, um, which doesn't really have much to do with genetics. And then I moved into another field called cytology. Um, but then I, I do feel that deep down in me, I always wanted to branch into genetics. Um, it's just early on in my career. It's not something that I, I necessarily gave that much thought. Um, but after a period in cytology, I definitely felt, okay, I, I do want to change. And, and I prayed over it. And for me, that change was a career in genetics. I definitely feel that my health has played a part in me making that decision. I don't think I would have been as passionate um, about a career in genetics if I didn't have sickle cell myself. Um, genetics is fascinating. It's, it's incredibly interesting. But I do feel that having sickle cell, so having a genetic disorder, has um, pushed me in that direction. So with your career in genetics and, and, all, and what you know now in genetics, you know, there's the general conception of AS and AS get married and then they get back to children with sickle cell. So it's the S in the gene yes. that's, that causes that to happen. So is there yes. anything else that causes it apart? Is there, any, is there, are there other... So that could be the bigger picture, if you see what I'm trying to I don't know if I'm making sense of what I'm trying to say. But are there other factors that lead to line up to make this happen because the reason why I asked this question is from I mean I, 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 I'm not a science person I don't do science at all but from my little knowledge of science and things with genetics I know there's some people that say that apart from sickle cell for instance you find out that people give birth to kids and then you find out that there's a family that they keep giving birth to kids with one illness or the other and they tell you oh it's a genetic makeup and maybe the 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 parents' genetics are not compatible. So as a result, they'll always end up with kids with one illness or another. And then you find that with sickle cell, for instance, you could be, you could have a couple that both carry the S gene, mm. but they end up having three, four children and none of them have sickle cell. Yeah. And then you find that another couple with AS and AS end up having all the children with sickle cell. And yes. then some is just one child. So I guess my question is, in addition to just the S that they carry, that is the obvious one, are there other genetic, are there other genetic um, components that have to come together that basically play a part in it? So maybe that could be the bigger part of you have to have the S gene, but if this and this is not in place, then you're fine. But once this and this is in place, then this is going to be the result. I mean, it's just something I just thought out. Okay, okay. So essentially sickle cell is due to a mutation in 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 one of the genes that um codes for hemoglobin um and this mutation is known as the s mutation so it's known as hbs um so without going into the science of it too much we all inherit um um so for normal individuals we would inherit one one copy of a gene from our mother and one copy of a gene from our father 
And as you said, individuals have sickle cell when they have inherited the abnormal um, HBS gene from their mother, and then they've inherited the abnormal HBS gene from their father. Mm -hmm. So they have two copies of HBS. Mm. Carriers would have one normal copy of um, um, one normal copy, so they would have HBA, um, and then they would have one abnormal copy of the beta globin gene HBS. So they have AS. Um, individuals that don't carry the sickle, sickle mutation are referred to as AA. So they have normal hemoglobin, which is hemoglobin A. They have two two copies of it, one that they that they've inherited from each parent. Mm. Um, so. Having sickle cell myself, I've inherited HBS from my mother, the HBS gene from my mother and the HBS gene from my father. So I've got no normal copy of um, hemoglobin. I've just got HBS. Hmm. In terms of what you mentioned, the probabilities. So some families, they have, um, if, if the parents are both carriers, they have all their children have sickle cell and then in other families they their parents may be the parents may be carriers but then none of their children have sickle cell it's, it's just all to do with probabilities so if two carriers come together and have children so for example my parents my mom is as and my dad is um as so they've both got one normal copy of the they've got hba and then they've got the abnormal hbs as well so it means that when you do your genetic calculations, um, the probability of them having a child with sickle cell is 25%. Mm. The probability of them having a child um, that's a carrier, so AS, is 50%. Mm. And the probability of them having a child that doesn't carry the sickle mutation is 25%. But by saying that the probability of having a child with sickle cell is 25%, it doesn't necessarily mean that a couple were to have four children, one would definitely have sickle cell. It doesn't necessarily mean that out of four children, one would definitely have, one would definitely not carry the sickle cell mutation. It, this is just a mathematical calculation of the likelihood that um, how likely what the what the value is that two carriers coming together will have a child with sickle cell. It's not an absolute certainty that in four children that they have, one will have sickle cell, one will not carry the sickle cell mutation, two will be carriers. It's just a math. The, the only way I can describe it is that it's just a mathematical calculation. So that explains why some carriers will come together and have children, and then all of their children will be fine. Um, it just depends on which two genes come together, if you know what I mean. So is it the parents' A, normal copy, um, that's um, coming together with, with the other parents' abnormal copy, or is it two um, abnormal copies of hemoglobin that are, that are coming together? So it just depends on which two, com um, two genes come together. It could be the normal hemoglobin A, or it could be the coming together with a normal hemoglobin A, or an, it, it just depends on the combinations, basically. But it's not, when we say that the risk is 25% or 50%, it's not an absolute certainty that in every four children, two of them will be carriers or one will have sickle cell. It just gives us an idea of the likelihood. 
Okay. So apart from apart from the fact that you could possibly inherit the abnormal hemoglobin S, there's no other genetic factors that could come into play. There's no other genetic coding. There's no other genetic. There's no other reason why sickle cell should have caught apart from mm-hmm. the fact that the child yes. has inherited both the abnormal both yes. um, abnormal genes from their parents. Exactly. So sickle cell is just primarily because of the, it, it's just whether or not an individual has sickle cell is purely dependent on how many copies of the abnormal hemoglobin S they inherit. That is just the basis of it. It's it it, it depends on whether and whether or not. Um, yeah, that, that that's just that's that's just it, pure and simple. How many copies um, of the abnormal hemoglobin S does the person inherit? That's what determines whether whether or not they have sickle cell. Okay, cool. So Michael, I think my next question for you now is, so you finished from university, you're working and you seem to really enjoy what you're doing and you seem to be very, very knowledgeable in what you're doing um, from what you've shared with, with us today. But so my question is, have you found it challenging in terms of getting a job, keeping a job, growing in your career? or growing within the company that you've had to now leave that company to go to another company in order to grow simply because of sickle cell? Has sickle cell affected your career journey? Um, In all honesty, I wouldn't say that it has. I feel that um, I have achieved what the the things that I I, I wanted to achieve. And by God's grace, I'll still achieve the things that I'm hoping to achieve. Yeah, in all honesty, I think the short answer to your question is that I don't think sickle cell has played or has, has, I don't think it's, it it has affected my career path or where I am in my career in in any way, shape or form. So for someone out there that is coming up with excuses saying, you don't understand, bosses are horrible to people with sickle cell, Um, you know, I'm trying to build a career, I can't keep a job down because of I've got to be in hospital sometimes and then I come back and then my boss, you know, is not longer, you know, is not giving me problems or my colleagues are giving me problems. What would you say to that person? Because what I am hearing from you, if I'm wrong, please correct me, is that as a person, you are a very, very determined person and you put your all in all in everything that you do to to produce excellent results as best as you possibly can. So even before an employer to say that your work is not good enough would be quite difficult if because you do produce very good work, you seem very knowledgeable to what you do. So it's so much that sickle cell hasn't affected your career in that sense. But for the probably someone out there listening saying, oh, you lucky person, you know, you don't understand the half of it. I've been trying to get a job. I'm trying to keep a job. I've been trying. What would you say to that person? Um, so I would just say, don't give up. Um, you know, sickle cell hasn't affected my career path, but that's not to say that um, I haven't faced challenges in my life. I definitely have um, challenges um, brought on by sickle cell. Um, I would say, just don't give up. If if you're if if you've got your mind set on something, just make sure you have first and foremost, make sure you have a, a relationship with God. Because for me, I, I, I haven't done, I haven't achieved anything that I've achieved um, through my own strength. I definitely know that God has been with me all the way through. And so he has strengthened me for everything 
that I've achieved and I believe that he will continue to strengthen me. So for me, faith is first and foremost a, a massive part of my life. And that is something that helps me through the challenges that my health has presented. Um, so I would say just I would encourage the person to develop a, a good relationship with God, develop a relationship with God, speak to God, um, read your Bible and pray to him in those in those challenging times. He would definitely comfort you and he would definitely see you through. He would definitely help you. I would also say um, another thing that's helped me is that I've always tried to be very transparent with my um, employers, with my boss, wherever I've worked. I've just tried to be transparent with them um, in terms of my health. So, you know, some may even think that I've given um, my bosses more information than um, was necessary. But I always do that intentionally to help them to understand um, the challenges that my health presents. Um, so I wouldn't just say, oh, I'm not feeling well today, so I can't come in. I might describe exactly what's going on. So I'll say, I'm not actually in pain today, but I just feel very, very weak. Um, so I can't come in. Or I might say, yeah, I'm, I'm in a lot of pain. So I haven't slept all night. Or um, I was in pain over the weekend on, on Sunday. I'm not actually in pain now, but um, I, the painkillers I've taken, because they're such strong painkillers, they've made me quite drowsy. So I can't come into work. I would just try and provide them with as much information as I can to help them understand where I'm coming from. And also just as a as a means of, I guess a concern is, are they going to think that I'm trying to pull a fast one because I just don't want to be at work? So I feel that by giving them as much information as I can, they know that the reason why I'm not at work is genuinely because I'm not feeling well. Um, when I go into hospital, for example, I would call my boss and say, I'm in hospital. This is the situation. Um, and I would probably call the next day as well in the morning and say, I'm still in hospital. Um, I would just keep them updated throughout the whole process so that they know that I am genuinely ill. Now, I know that that may not be everyone's cup of tea. Some people may feel that, um, why should they have to go into that much detail? Um, they should only all they have to say is you know I'm ill and that should be good enough which you know I guess in the ideal world that is true um, but for me it always gave me that peace of mind knowing that I had been as open with my employers um, as, as, I, as, I, as I could be um, I, I, I felt that they I gave them all the information that I could give them to help them understand why I could not be at work and I feel that that's something that has helped me I definitely feel that in terms of um, the way my relationships with um, previous bosses it's definitely helped that I I was able to communicate with them in that way so I would say for me I, I'm, I'm quite cautious about um, saying other people should do this or that but if I if I were to give advice it would be to be as open as you as you as you as you feel comfortable um, to be, um, just try try to be as transparent as possible, so that the people that you that your employers um, understand um, the, the the disease, the nature of the disease, how it affects you um, um, a bit more. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much for that. 
And thank you for your time today. You have shared quite a lot with us and you have actually set a challenge for people that are listening out there that secret cell warriors can do great things. They can do a lot of great things. They can achieve a lot of great things with determination. They don't have to settle for mediocrity. They can achieve whatever it is out there that they want to achieve. So any last words for our listeners before we finish today? I would say just don't give up. Keep on pressing on. Sickle cell is, is challenging in a number of ways. People don't automatically see an individual sickle cell and immediately say oh there's something wrong with that person that's why they're crying out in pain um so it's not something that's you know sort of obvious when people look at us which you know in itself does present challenges I would say just don't give up just that there's always light at the end of the tunnel um hoping god and don't be too hard on yourself as e- either um if you feel that maybe you're not achieving things um, in the same timeline as your peers, don't be too hard on yourself. Um, You will get there. Just um, carry on persevering, carry on praying and carry on looking to God for, for strength and help in in those times and, and, and and throughout, to be honest. Um, Yeah. So that's, that's, that, those will be my, my last words. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you, listeners, for joining us again. Thank you. You've heard it all. Do not give up. Do not give up. You've just got to keep keeping on. Thank you so much, Lotta. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on the Disabled But Enabled podcast. Please check us out on Instagram and Twitter. Our handle is at Disabled But Enabled. And on our website, disabledbutenabled.org. As always, subscribe to the show to catch every new episode and leave us a review. Feel free to tell us anything you would like to hear us talk about so we can continue to bring you fresh content. Once again, this is yours truly, Tutu Emmanuel, saying switch on the power within and see you next week.